grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How would you proceed if your steps led you directly to your enemies? Well, imagine it probably depends on who your enemies are. If your enemies are of the traditional flesh and blood kind, you probably will proceed as you arm yourself for conflict so you can walk away as unscathed as possible. If your enemies go after your health, they're probably more so like illnesses or chronic conditions. And you probably will proceed as the doctor has prescribed for you. If your enemies go after your emotional well-being, talking about things like frustration or stress and even perhaps burnout. You'll proceed by either just taking a whole different path away from those enemies or preparing to count to ten many times over. How is it that Jesus proceeded when his steps led him straight to his enemies who wanted nothing but the worse for him and were going to do it? He didn't arm himself for conflict or seek to needlessly antagonize them, nor did he just leave and just leave everything behind. No, he stepped towards his enemies with a a call of repentance and an offer for salvation before it was too late for his enemies. We hear how Jesus did this in our verses for this evening from the Gospel of Luke chapter 20 beginning at verse 9. He, that is Jesus, began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to some tenant farmers, and went away on a journey for a long time. When it was the right time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenant farmers beat the servant and sent him away empty-handed. The man went ahead and sent yet another servant But they also beat him, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. He then sent yet a third. They also wounded him and threw him out. The owner of the vineyard said, what should I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw him, they talked it over with one another. They said, this is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenant farmers and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, May it never be. But he looked at them and said, Then what about this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush the one on whom it falls. That very hour, the chief priests and experts in the law began looking for a way to lay hands on him, because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. This is the gospel of our Lord, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus often used parables like this, to teach heavenly lessons using familiar earthly stories. What exactly was the heavenly lesson that Jesus taught to this crowd of people, and specifically the chief priests and experts in the law in that crowd? Well, let's break down the parable. Let's find out. 
the owner of the vineyard is God himself, and the vineyard is his people. The tenant farmers are the ones that God has placed over his people to lead them, to govern them, and to teach his word as he expects of them. Yet historically speaking, Israel's leaders were not so great at this, including the chief priests and experts of the law who heard this parable. And you could say that they were, as a rule, rather wicked, seeking to change their hearts and correct their behavior. God sent his servants, prophets like Jeremiah, Elijah, and John the Baptist, just to name a few, with calls of repentance so their hearts could be right and they could go again leading God's people as the Lord expected of them. Yet Israel's leaders seldom listened to God's prophets. They turned a deaf ear towards them. They mistreated them as these tenant farmers did to the servants sent by the the vineyard owner, the owner of the vineyard. Time after time, this happened until finally, in one last desperate act of love and hope, the owner sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to these wicked leaders. Yet the leaders' behaviors did not change. They mistreated Jesus. They turned him aside, and then they went one step further, resolving in their heart to put an end to him, as they would just two days after hearing this parable. Though they thought that they were going to get away with it all and reap the benefit that the entire inheritance would now be theirs, in fact, the opposite was going to happen. They're going to receive complete and utter destruction from God himself. And why? Because they exhausted God's patience as his enemies. The crowds were right to say, may it never be. Because if you exhaust God's patience as his enemy, well, the consequences are eternally disastrous. (laughs) As disastrous if you were to take a building and to rip out its cornerstone. You see, in, in ancient times, when you built a building, that cornerstone was the most important building block of the entire construction. For one, it was the first stone you laid. And if it was at all crooked, Well, your whole building was going to be crooked because it determined your entire alignment and orientation. That cornerstone is also the focal point of two load-bearing walls. And if you were to surgically remove that, those two walls could just fall in on themselves and perhaps even the whole building itself. Needless to say, it was very important to have your cornerstone right if you're using ancient practices to build a building. In the same way, Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. For he is the starting point, which aligns us with God through the forgiveness he gives to us through faith, and then our lives to be in line with God's word. Jesus is also the strength of our faith, upon whom we lean, so that matter what happens in life, we have an unshakable confidence in God himself. If there's anything wrong with that cornerstone of what your faith is in Jesus, you're going to have some problems with that faith of yours. You may not be aligned as well as you should be with God's forgiveness. Your life may not be an accurate reflection of what it says in his word. And that strength, well, if you try to substitute for Jesus, good luck with that. Worst case scenario, take that cornerstone out and your faith 
has nothing to it. It's up to crumble in with you left with nothing but pieces and crushed by Jesus himself. You see, this is what those chief priests and experts in the law had coming to them. They had just about exhausted God's patience after countless calls of repentance. They had already rejected Jesus, the cornerstone of their faith, with only that disastrous consequence to look forward to. And what is it that Jesus does as he takes his final steps to the cross? He steps towards his enemies with a call of repentance and an offer of salvation. In many ways, Jesus steps towards us in the exact same way because, quite frankly, we make ourselves to be his enemies in the same way. We try God's patience to the point of exhaustion because we refuse to do and to live as he expects of us as his children. We don't teach God's word or model it with our daily lives as we know we should to those who look up to us or who perhaps even depend on us. We turn aside those whom God sends in his place with calls of repentance, our our parents, our pastors, our friends, our loved ones, when they say this is what we need to do to be right with God, and we say, I don't got time for you. We dull our once tender consciences with repeat exposure to the same sins. Because after all, God is patient. We can have a little bit longer of enjoying what we want to do, right? We also make ourselves to be God's enemy when we challenge that cornerstone of our faith. Just how aligned are we with God? When was the last time that we asked for his forgiveness outside of a worship service? How in line is our heart and mind with what he says in his word? Do we want what he wants? Do we despise what God despises? Do we consider Jesus to be the strength of our faith upon whom we lean upon in everything? Why, when trouble comes upon us, how long does it take for us to even remember to ask God for help? Or, or think of what is to come to you as a child of God, the, the blessed inheritance of heaven. How much credit do you take for yourself of what you have done to make that possible? Like coming to worship on a Wednesday and coming twice a week in the season of Lent. You see, in many ways, Jesus, he could have spoke this parable just as much to us as he did to the chief priests and experts in the law. Because we make ourselves to be his enemies, trying that patience, challenging that cornerstone. And do you remember what happened to those tenant farmers in the parable because they were God's enemies? How they received that complete and utter destruction from God himself? When you and I realize how we deserve the exact same treatment because we are his enemies, how quick we join to say with the crowds, may it never be. And you know what? It never will be. That's because Jesus steps towards us. He steps towards his enemies. When Jesus stepped toward these chief priests and experts in the law and to spoke and to speak this parable, he knew what was already in their hearts to end him ASAP. 
as he steps towards us, he knows what's in our hearts too, how often we struggle against him as his enemies. And yet, what does Jesus do? He doesn't just hightail it and leave us to our own devices. No, he offers that call of repentance, that offer of salvation yet again. And he continues to do that as he makes his way to that cross. Because it's at that cross that we find that assurance that these disastrous results never will be for you and for me. Because do you know what we see when we look at that cross? We see the life of Jesus in perfect accord with everything God demanded in his holy law. We find the death of Jesus given to pay the price required for sin. We find the sacrifice of Jesus given on behalf of you and me, not of somebody else. We find the the statement of Jesus, how we stand not guilty before the Lord himself. You see, it's because of Jesus and how he stepped towards his enemies to people like you and me that those eternal disastrous results, they never will be. That's because we're no longer God's enemies. We're his children, loved by him. As children, we will try our God's patience, but he remains ever more patient, desiring our salvation and just waiting to welcome us with open arms once again. As children, we will challenge that cornerstone of our faith, and yet Jesus remains the most important aspect who, first of all, aligns us with God through his forgiveness, aligns our lives in light with his word, and then is that strength that can never be overcome by no matter what life throws at you. Though we had once expected a a horrible doom, we now look forward to a glorious future. To ensure that you reach that glorious future as a child of God, let's listen to Jesus' parable. Even God's patience has limits, and let's get nowhere close to exhausting it. Inspect the cornerstone of your faith so that it is and remains Jesus alone. You may, align, may remain aligned with God, that strength that can never be overcome. And then walk with your Savior, Jesus. He takes his final steps to the cross. And along the way, towards his enemies, so that you and I can be his children. Amen.